0: Premier Christian Newscast. Hello and welcome to Premier Christian Newscast. I'm Tim Wyatt. When Rishi Sunak became Prime Minister last month, much was made of his groundbreaking ascent to number 10. But as well as being the first ethnic minority politician, to win the Premiership, Sunak is also the first Hindu. Indeed, he's the first non-Christian religious Prime Minister the UK has ever had. This fact has gone largely unmentioned in the media coverage, but is it actually significant to have a Hindu in Downing Street? Does anyone really care, and should we as Christians? Has he had an easier ride from the press compared to prominent Christian MPs such as Tim Farron? This week we're gathering the Premier Christianity team to consider Sunak's faith, how it might influence his politics or not, and what it might mean for the church in Britain to be working under a non-Christian prime minister for the very first time. Well, thanks for joining us, Sam and Emma. Would you mind just quickly uh, explaining who you are? Um, Sam, why don't you go first?
1: Hello, good to be with you again, Tim. Uh, Yeah, I'm Sam Hales, editor of Premier Christianity magazine, which is the UK's leading Christian magazine, publishing in print every month, and then lots of articles going up on a daily basis as well, which is really where Emma comes in.
2: (laughs) Yes, I am the assistant editor of Premier Christianity magazine, and I also edit the Voice of Hope um, daily devotional magazine that Premier produces.
0: Brilliant. Well, it's great to have have you guys with us for this conversation. Today, we're going to be chatting a little bit about our new Prime Minister here in the UK, Rishi Sunak. And most significantly, uh, his faith. Uh, He's a Hindu, uh, which makes him the first non-Christian religious Prime Minister we've ever had in this country. There's been lots of Anglicans, some Baptists. I had a look at online. There's there's a few from the Church of Scotland. Uh, Boris Johnson was Catholic. uh, And we've had some atheists and agnostics, but we've never had anyone who was religious but not Christian before um, I guess I'll kick off asking both of you. Really, uh, let's start with you, Sam. Does this matter, and if so, why?
1: That was the very first question we asked ourselves as a team, and um, we asked John Stevens to, to comment on this because John is head of the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches. So he, you know, he's an evangelical Christian, and some evangelicals, we know might have a bit of a problem with this. There are some evangelicals who would say, well, actually, I really like the idea that the prime minister of the United Kingdom is a Christian, whether Catholic or Protestant, whatever denomination, there's something good about the leader of our country sharing my faith as an evangelical. But John has quite a different take to this. And he wrote a fascinating piece for us arguing that actually there have been leaders in the past who have said, yes, I'm a Christian, but on a policy level, they've been terrible. And he points out that just because someone claims to have a Christian faith, that doesn't mean and they're necessarily well placed to deliver for the good of the country and so there's been a very interesting conversation opening up on this i think as well about the, the diversity that this represents in the country you know we are a multi-faith society there are people of every kind of religion and faith background in the population and so you might expect wouldn't you that that would be reflected in our political system including at the very top
0: emma what's your take on this does it matter to you
2: it's it's kind of a difficult one isn't it because it, it is like sam said that the difference between does this matter to me personally do i have a feeling about it one way or the other or uh, and do i feel that it's going to make a significant difference to us uh in terms of policy or structure or governance and those kinds of things so i think yes personally as a christian i'm always going to be super happy when i see christians in positions of influence and power and we know as a church that we're called to pray for our leaders whoever they are um and we also have to balance this this biblical you know reference to you know whoever is in power are the people that god has placed in power at that time and in that place do we do we believe in that do we believe it's god's sovereign will that we have someone in power, who doesn't share our faith and our belief? I mean, how does that work out? There are all these really big questions. But when it comes down to it on a day to day basis, I think probably I agree with Sam. I'd much rather have someone who's competent and able to do their job than someone who perhaps shared my worldview and was quite frankly rubbish. Um, but as Christians, we do have to think about how that impacts. The policies and the things that go into place that govern our society especially those elements of policy and governance that may either affect our faith or sort of rub very hard up against it so i'm thinking you know things like euthanasia abortion um same-sex marriages and, and those areas where where christian faith often comes into conflict with politics
0: the thing that really strikes me is that he's he's not ashamed or or kind of backwards about the fact that he is a Hindu. I mean, quite famously when he was chancellor uh, a few years ago at Diwali, he kind of lit some candles on the steps of Number Eleven Downing Street and has kind of spoken, I think, when he was running for leader in the summer about how his faith kind of gives him strength and purpose. So it seems a big contrast to me to kind of we had a run of prime ministers who were who were all kind of nominally Christians, but didn't it but it didn't make a big part of their life. You know, David Cameron famously said that his faith comes and goes like the reception of magic FM in the Chilterns. And while Boris Johnson was kind of, converted to catholicism when he married his wife i think even his biggest fans would admit that he's not particularly religious in his private life so do, do you think it, do you think it's more relevant that actually he is a religious person the fact that he's not a christian is is secondary the fact that his religion actually matters and actually counts in his life
2: yeah it's quite a con- contrast isn't it when you compare it to someone like tim farron who actually stepped down from leading the liberal democrat party who you know arguably is a very talented politician and and, and well liked in Westminster, because he felt that the continued questioning of his Christian faith, and in particular his position on homosexuality and same-sex marriage during the election, was just becoming a detraction from, from what his party were able to do. And I think that's possibly something that bothers me more, actually. It feels... That maybe this uh, Rishi Sunak's faith as a Hindu, as a British Asian, um, has been given a warmer reception than many Christians. And sometimes, when you, you get a politician who is overt about their Christian faith, they they tend to get a lot of backlash, or um, you get this sort of mocking cynicism, or they they get the the old the, just all the old lines that get trotted out. or they're going to be moaning about abortion, or they're going to be really backwards about this issue, and whereas you know seemingly people seem to think that having a a hindu prime minister is a really positive thing but i do wonder whether that is more actually a com- sort of almost a um a conflating of of religion and ethnicity that because like we said he, um, we have a, di- a very diverse society now it's seen as a really good thing and it is a good thing that we have people in power that reflect all of our society. So perhaps I think some people are that's are thinking, oh, it's a really good thing that we have an Asian Prime Minister and that gets conflated with Hinduism or with another minority religion. Whereas Christianity is just always going to be associated with the religion of the majority, the white majority, and, and that's not always a popular stance because of historical reasons. Hmm.
1: I think one of the most notable things about all this is just how little rishi sunak's faith has been commented on in the wider media and someone i can't remember who it was once famously pointed out how immature the media can be when it comes to religion and when it comes to politics because if you're an evangelical you will be quizzed like tim Farron on your views on homosexuality if you are catholic you will be quizzed on your views on abortion and if you're a muslim you will be quizzed on terrorism and that you know has been the kind of stereotype of how a lot of the media have approached faith what's interesting of course about is I'm not sure if the media know where to go with Hinduism I mean frankly do, does the average journalist myself included know that much about that faith I don't think we really do so I've been um interested by how little his faith has really come up. I think the other thing to say on that, though, is that Rishi Sunak has not really spoken that much about his faith, whether by choice or whether, again, the media just haven't thought to ask him that much about it. And uh, at this point, I'm I am I'm fairly sceptical as to how much his Hindu faith would influence his politics compared to a Tim Farron um, or another Christian politician, because I think we have to be up front here that there are some Christian politicians where as emma said there's quite a close link between my personal kind of conscience and faith on an issue like life issues or sexuality issues in my politics i'm not sure if there's as a direct a link that we've at least seen yet between rishi sunak's faith and those kind of juicy political issues i'm not sure if there's the same link between christianity and politics as, as there is between hinduism and politics but i suppose time will tell on that front
2: oh, interestingly i looked up his voting record earlier today and um you can't see a lot of the details, but you can see that he he recorded an absence um, against votes on lots of those same issues that would be controversial for Christians, so euthanasia, abortion, same-sex marriage. Um, so you can't; he hasn't voted for or against either of those things in recent years. He's always been absent, but again, we don't know why exactly.
0: Do you agree, Sam, that there is a kind of double standard, like Emma was kind of sketching out that that Christian politicians get this laser focus? Um, and if you are a Muslim or a Hindu or a Sikh, uh, the, the media is either out of kind of bafflement or, or lack of interest, doesn't really probe into into how that intersects with with your politics. And so that's why we have this sense that non-Christian religious prime ministers or MPs are are kind of just floating in the background because we just don't understand how Hinduism connects to to politics.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a fair point, and. As I say, I, th- I think the ethnicity question has been of far more interest and relevance for the average, um, the average reporter and perhaps the average reader as well. Um, it does strike me that it was a big moment for our country in our first non-white prime minister, and I think that has over perhaps quite rightly has overtaken any sense of our first Hindu uh, prime minister. But, you know, I, I do want to reflect the, the views of, of some some Christians um, that, that I know who, who have said to me things like, well, I believe that our country has in the past been a christian country we've had people of faith in downing street and the queen was very overt about her christian faith and i have spoken to some christians who said well isn't it interesting since the death of the queen there is now someone in in downing street for the first time who does not um associate at all with the christian faith and it's a different religion and so there are some christians who are a bit concerned about this on a kind of spiritual level of just saying since the queen's death has has something changed in the national picture of how our country relates to god and and that sense of the christian heritage of our country being eroded now i need to say quite clearly that's again that's on a faith perspective that's not on a on a uh, on a race issue on an ethnicity issue it's purely on a faith issue is there has there been a, a substantial change since the queen's death and um you know and again not every christian will think that way but some some will and it does lead to this question of do we as christians have anything to to, to fear from this. Um, I was struck, though, by John Stevens' article when he wrote for us. He pointed out that despite the collapse of Christian belief and church attendance in Britain today, he says we still do have this culture that is shaped and influenced by over 1,500 years of Christianity. And he points out this is not lightly overturned. And so the idea that, oh my goodness, there's someone in Downing Street who isn't a Christian, you know, that's not going to change anything. Um, we have checks and balances in place that mean that... Um, that, that certain things are protected in our, in our nation. And it's not easy to just erode away um, the Christian heritage that we have. And I thought that was an interesting point. another reason why we shouldn't be fearful of these, these developments politically.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right because there's a slight, I think we sometimes as Christians can be a bit naive about it. Um, about saying, well, you know, because Rishi Sunak doesn't even doesn't make any pretense; he's overtly not a Christian. We get our, our kind of knickers in a twist. When reality, this country has seen dozens of prime ministers who have no meaningful relationship with Jesus whatsoever, including some in the in the last hundred years who've quite open about that. You know, I looked up Neville Chamberlain. Um, uh, the uh, Clement Attlee, the Labour Prime Minister after World War Two, both both kind of openly said, you know what, I don't really follow any kind of organisation. I'm not I'm not a believer. And this was in a time when this was an overwhelmingly Christian country by by church going attendance and by culture and tradition. So it's not really a new thing. What is new is that that the the prime minister, rather than being having no faith, has a has an alternative faith. And I think I'm not really sure of the of the strength of the argument that says it was fine when we had agnostics and atheists, but having a Hindu is somehow crossing crossing the Rubicon.
2: Yeah, I think I would agree with that. It, it is a controversial statement ag- amongst some echelons of the, of the Christian church, but yeah, do, does it make a substantial difference if you have someone who believes something different to you in that they believe in other gods and other rele- religion or belief systems and someone who believes in nothing at all? Arguably, neither of those people are going to be pay- paying any more or less attention to the Bible or Christian beliefs or biblical precepts or any of those principles or things that we as Christians would say we value and we want to see worked out in our politics. So, yeah, is there a difference? Potentially not at all.
0: Premier Christian Newscast. Christian newscast. What do you make of the argument that some people say that it's actually better for the church to have an actual believer in Downing Street, even if they're not a Christian, rather than kind of a nominal, agnostic, kind of quiet faith of a, of a David Cameron or a Boris Johnson? <laughs>
1: Yes, I think I think the key thing here is that we appear to have in Richie Sunak someone who understands the importance of religion. And you can definitely make the argument that if there was a a Richard Dawkins-style atheist in in Downing Street who just thought all religion was out of cobblers and we're all wasting our time, we're all deluded, that may not be so helpful. So you, you can definitely argue on that level, on a kind of religious freedom level, and on an understanding level as well, that there can be some, some bridges being built. And, you know, I'm sure there's a, there's a kind of interfaith part of the picture here as well. When you speak to Christians who do a lot of interfaith work, they say, actually, yeah, we're not going to agree on all the important theological issues, but actually on a local level, you know the the local imam and the local church leader. They have more in common than you might expect on a on a kind of local level. And I think there's some of that going on when it comes to, for example, persecution of of Christians around the world. Might someone like Rishi Sunak have a bit more understanding of that particular issue because he's a man of of a different faith himself? So I think that's certainly positive. And and again, John Stevens pointed out in his in his piece that what is what are the threats facing Christians? He says the the threat facing Christians is not the appointment of a Hindu PM, but actually it's the intolerant liberal progressive progressivism that views all religious faith as harmful and which it wishes to legislate against it and again i think that's a fair point that actually if we are talking about enemies and we can have a different conversation on whether christians should have enemies at all uh, but if we are talking about having enemies of the faith then it's not a hindu pm it's probably those who see no time at all for faith of any kind whether it's hindu or christian
0: It reminds me often of the argument that's made in reverse for the kind of defending the establishment of the Church of England in in England and saying, actually, if you talk to Hindus and Muslims and Sikhs and Jews, often they're quite pro the establishment paradoxically of the Church of England, because they said, if we were to get rid of that, what would actually happen is you just have this kind of default secularism and actually having an established church makes it easier for to create space for people of other faiths to kind of pursue their, their own lives in the public square and i wonder if something there's something in reverse there and having a hindu prime minister is actually easier for the church to continue playing a role and in interacting with government departments and getting their policy issues and concerns up the agenda Whereas if you have someone who is, as you say, a kind of hardline secularist, they might be pursuing the line that you know what? Why are we letting these crazy nutjob religious lo- lot into the building in the first place? Let's just move on. That they're, they're, they're yesterday's news, and and the future of this country is is a is a non non religious one.
2: Yeah, and likewise, if you had you had the sort of what we've probably had over the last few years, people who say that they are christian or have some element of christianity in their in their background but actually perhaps are not really that bothered about it on a day-to-day basis so i think that the same argument could be made for them that perhaps if you have a faith whatever faith it is you take faith generally more seriously and are prepared to to legislate on that basis to prioritize it within government structures and and to and to make sure that there is space for it in the public square
0: I mean you mentioned that you'd looked at a bit of his voting record and couldn't see kind of much evidence if if he's pulled either way on some of those issues of morality or conscience. Do we know anything more about his actual Hindu kind of values because Hinduism is I think is un- often misunderstood. It's not really like Abrahamic religions. There isn't a kind of single sacred text or a single god or a founding prophet to follow or, or a moral code. It's it's much more of this kind of array of 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 cultural uh, thousands of year old kind of cultures, um, all centered around India, and and I've just seen it described by Hindus as more of a kind of pick and mix religion with thousands of gods and and dozens of texts that you can uh, look to to kind of find meaning in. Do, do we have any sense of what particular one of many Hinduisms Rishi is is aligned with?
2: Yeah, I I don't think there's that much out there. Like Sam said, um, there have been. A couple of interviews that he's done um uh, most most recently with a bbc journalist um i think his grandfather was very involved in a temple in um, southampton where he's from i'm not a hinduism expert i do have some friends who are hindus um and like you say there are lots of different flavors and there, yeah there's not a perhaps a one text like we would refer to the bible that would that would have definitive Um, lines on various big issues although as we know that even from within Christianity those can be interpreted in many many ways even when some of us think there is one way to interpret something Um, we know that yeah but he um, abstained from votes on euthanasia on abortion and on same-sex marriage so perhaps that indicates that he would rather keep himself out of those discussions than, than vote for or against I don't know. I guess time will time will tell really. Um and and like Sam says whether or not the, the media will start to probe those areas more once we have rightly um celebrated the fact that we do have our first non white Prime Minister. Um I think I would like to see that happen. I would I would like to see the, the media be rigorous in the in the same way um with politicians of all faiths as they as they seem to be with christian politicians because i think that's the right thing to do and i think it's in the public interest to to better have understanding of of how different faiths operate and and what that means for our politicians
0: where do you stand on that sam do you think it would be helpful if kind of journalists started digging into his faith background and try to figure out or or quiz him scrutinize him more on on what it really means for him to be a hindu and, and kind of you know Maybe even ask him, you know, where do you stand on abortion? Where do you stand on euthanasia? and some of these kind of contentious yes. hot button issues.
1: Well, I think mean, if the media were to be fair and um, and not partial, then they should be. um But I, I I doubt they will. um I just don't think the average journalist wants to go in that direction for whatever reason. I do find it interesting he's abstained on those issues because. Perhaps we shouldn't speculate on why, but but you could make the argument that's kind of clever politics. You don't want to be drawn on those really tricky issues. Um, so there there is, and it is, it's been noted, I think Rishi Sunat's been described as the least experienced government minister to ever become prime minister and so he has had a very quick rise through the ranks to you know, now having the top job and you think well one of the ways it's going to help you politically rise through the ranks is you sort of keep keep your head down and don't become known including on a faith level don't become too known for your your weird faith that increasingly secular Britain is a bit sceptical of and, and may not like so you know I, I hate to say this but uh, you could argue that it's quite pragmatic and quite good for Rishi not to say too much about his faith because he's going to be misunderstood, because a lot of people don't get it. Now, I don't know. He may, Maybe actually he's desperate to talk lots about his Hinduism. He just hasn't been asked. Who, who am I to say? Um, but you could argue, sadly, that in an increasingly secular society, it's a good idea to keep your head down and not say too much about politics. I'd love to know what Tim Farron thinks of the answer to that question. Um, because, again, that what he's been through in recent years, he, he was very clear. He came out and said, I'm being forced to choose between my faith and my politics, and I can't carry on my political career, effectively, because this, this issue of my personal faith has become such a big distraction. Now, I really do think that was a huge watershed moment for the relationship between faith and politics in our country with what happened with Tim Farron. And... Um, uh, I think it was very sad, actually, because on the one hand we like to say we're this open, tolerant, inclusive Britain, and on the other hand you're handing people out of a top job just because they have religious views that some people um, don't like. And uh, so we've got to allow for religious freedom here. I would love to hear more from Rishi Sunak about his faith, what he what he believes, how his faith influences his politics. But again, I think if he's going to if he's going to play it safe politically, he probably won't want to go there. Want to keep his head down and not mix his religion and his politics. And as I say, I think that's sad. But I think that's probably what it'll do. I wonder
0: whether actually this might be, you know, the, the best let's say the best outcome for the church for Christians could be that a Rishi Sunak premiership, as however long it lasts starts to kind of undo the over overreaction that, that some of the media and the political class have had around faith in recent years exacerbated or kind of encapsulated in the Tim Farron episode and maybe a few years, if he's lucky of a kind of steady normal normal uh, Hindu prime minister allows the media to see actually hang on religion and politics can mix you know and they can start to put put to death this this slightly childish kind of 20th century uh, enlightenment idea that, that that religion is a kind of backwards uh, kind of anchor holding people back and then that real like political integrity requires kind of shedding and letting go of all that and maybe in the end it might in the long term be positive for the church because it it allows creates space again for people to be religious in very different ways and be and be a prime minister or let or nmp
2: i'm not sure that um it's religion in general i think a lot of the time it's christianity in particular that people think is backward and unenlightened and um I feel you certainly see that across elements of the media all the time. Um, if you look at publishing, for example, there's been this massive drive over recent years to increase diversity of representation in publishing. Quite rightly, we need to hear lots and lots of diverse voices from a, that represent our society as a whole. But what's interesting within that is that it's very easy these days to get TV shows commissioned, books Published if you have a faith story and it's a non-white, non-Christian faith story. But if you want to talk about your faith in Jesus Christ and how that's impacted your life, or write a play about that or a TV show, you've got no chance in that making it into the mainstream media in any way that isn't somehow mocking or <laughs> weird. Um, and that's not what you see when you talk about other faiths. And I and I know that all of that is is tied up in very complicated historical issues of colonialism and repression and violence and horrible things that white people have done but that's where we've ended up where it is much more acceptable to talk about your faith as long as that faith doesn't involve christianity and jesus
0: i mean as we all know there's a huge element of kind of religious illiteracy and and hypocrisy in all of this when you know when tim farron was being endlessly quizzed about his views on on sexuality and gay sex and whatever else it's a kind of open secret among those of us who actually understand anything about religion is that, you know, 90 plus percent of the of Britain's one or two million Muslims share exactly the same kind of social conservative approach to sexuality, including, I have no doubt, many of the Muslim MPs in Parliament, you know, anyone who follows the Catholic Church's teaching is on exactly the same page as Farron when it comes to sexuality and gay marriage. And yet there is either a widespread ignorance of that fact, or as you say, people are too afraid to go there because of understandable kind of cultural concerns around race and colonialism and whatever else. But, but the fact of the matter is actually on many of these things that Christians are picked up on, they're actually saying very similar things to, to some of their their interfaith colleagues from other, from other, from other religions. And, and it's only the the Christians who get that level of scrutiny, I guess, because Christianity is seen as the kind of safe home turf of British journalists and, and British media. And so they can really go to town on that when really they would never dare criticize a Muslim, even if they express their opposition
1: to same-sex marriage in exactly the same terms that Tim Farron did? It's this idea of um, correction, um, and but it's being critiqued as over-correction. This, this idea that for so long in our history, we have privileged the white, the Christian, the male. And so now there's this correction happening where we don't privilege those voices anymore and we say to those who are non-white and female and of other sexualities and other religions here have a tv show and we elevate those voices which is great but the critique has been how do you know when you've reached that equilibrium where everything now is balanced Uh, and where's the line between correction and and overcorrection um which i think is a really interesting question And, and yeah we as journalists working in the christian media we have to face those same questions because we want to represent the British church and the British church is a diverse church full of people from all sorts of different parts of the country and different ethnicities and backgrounds, different denominations uh, and we want to represent the global church which makes it even harder we should be telling stories from places like Indonesia as much as we are Ipswich so you know, we've got to balance that as well in terms of trying to elevate voices that haven't been heard in the church in the past but should have been um, and so there's my little way to not go too hard on the journalists because it's a tough job um, when it comes to figure out who to commission and which voices to put forward but there is definitely some truth in that that I think at times there has been an unhelpful overcorrection and it does become this slightly strange kind of oh wow you follow a non-Christian religion, how exotic and wonderful and I want to know all about it um, and I have this myself when I when I meet someone who doesn't share my faith and I obviously say what well, I do for a job which is a little bit of a giveaway when I say I work for a Christian magazine, it's amazing how often that's a conversation stopper with people but people just don't know where to go when you say oh it's, it's a magazine, it's it's." For christians and you, it's it just kills the conversation and i've sometimes wondered if i said oh, if i edited a hindu magazine or or a, a muslim magazine i, I get the imp- i could be wrong but i get the impression culture there's just a bit more intrigue because oh wow that's a faith i don't know much about and i think for a lot of people in our society it's oh i know what christianity is i've got this kind of view often based on stereotypes and sadly isn't quite accurate but, but people kind of think they know what they've got and then we have a rishi sunak and it's oh, actually i don't really know much about hinduism there's a bit more of an openness and i sometimes i've experienced that which is understandable there's a kind of um exoticism to someone of another background or another faith um whereas i think for a lot of people they kind of they think they know what they're getting with christian faith
0: i guess if i had one hope just to close off with about a kind of rishi sunak hindu premiership if you can use that language is that it would help the 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 kind of conversation, the public conversation, the media and in, in politics to get a bit more mature around other faiths. You know, what I'd love is to have people no longer kind of blown away by the exoticism, right. the Orientalism, if I can use that word, of, of of religions like Hinduism and be like, oh, look at the colour and the lights and the festivals and actually talk about them as a meaningful worldview and, and a historic culture and say, what do Hindus believe? How do Hindus practice their faith? What are the internal conflicts within Hinduism? Let's dig into that in the way that we would all automatically do for Christianity, because we're so much more familiar with it. And it doesn't have that allure of, of kind of exoticism, but really a mature multi-faith society is one which treats all religions on a level playing field, as we've been saying. And maybe having the kind of exposure in the spotlight a bit more on Hinduism, a faith which we're all admitting we know very little about and is hardly covered at all in the press, might be a really positive thing. Well, sounds like I've seen some nodding faces on the Zoom. (laughs) I call it quits there. I call it quits there. Thanks so much for your time, Emma and for Sam. It's been great chatting some of these issues through with you guys. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show very soon. And thanks for listening, everyone. Um, Speak to you next time. Bye-bye. That's it for this week's Premier Christian Newscast. But if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. And why not also tell a friend about the show? Don't forget to also subscribe to the podcast on your phone or tablet to ensure that you receive each episode automatically sent to your device week by week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
2: Premier Christian Newscast.